Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we are less than a month away from real games, real pitches, real hits, uh, everything that is getting ready to take place with the 2021 season. Uh, it uh, Last week felt like spring was in the air. Not so much right now as we record. Uh, but uh, It, it really is, felt like spring for you. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed uh, <laughs> life in spring training country uh, and uh, didn't get a chance to see anything, but I did soak up the, I soaked up a dip, the different type of rays. Might not be my baseball rays, but the sun rays were uh, a wonderful thing. Uh, and unfortunately, I wasn't able to bring any of that back with me. No, it was nice while you were gone, too. That said, that's, that was that's really stunk for that you works. is that it was like 60 while you were gone around here, and I thought we were hit spring, but it's... It's another week, I guess. Time and for third winter. I'm okay for that. I'm okay for like another week as long as it's gone soon. April's coming. What, 40s and 50s are still in the forecast here in the seven days. I almost so. went golf. I went. I drove down to Watertown, and there was a lot of golf courses open. I thought yeah. about golfing last weekend, but little life got in the way, and I got a little busy, so it didn't happen. But so we will uh, look forward to not only the my dad the is ready to open the popcorn wagon. Yeah, he I'm, he's chomping at the bit is, like we are with baseball. He is chomping at the bit, so that'll uh. Be the week after Easter here, barring some something. We, we were close. We talked about getting it out and seeing, but then we saw the snow in the forecast. So we talked about actually opening it beforehand, but the weekend after Easter, we're going to get the popcorn wagon open. As always, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn for all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice. Come hungry, leave happy as we set the season debut for the this round of River Creek Popcorn. And we will also get you set for the MLB season Kicking off here, we will start with our preview coverage here today. Uh, we'll be looking at the uh, the East divisions, the AL East and the NL East, as we uh, recap the offseason uh, and cover uh, key questions, key additions, and uh, what to expect from these, uh, these teams or what questions will be wrestled with uh, for them to try to look at a successful season. Before we do that, we're going to dive into our news and notes. Uh, spring training is always the time of, uh, of injuries, things that come up, and always the peculiar ones as, as well. Yeah, let's start with the peculiar one. The, the, the biggest one, not the biggest one of the week, but the strangest one of the week was Byron Buxton, who is notoriously injury-prone, did not crash into a wall this time, but he was eating a steak and he cracked his tooth and needed to have some root canal work done, so he missed a few days. Uh, I don't know how he does a steak. It's obviously not the correct way, because if it is that hard, something's wrong there, Byron. Yeah, you know, if there isn't still a little bit of moo left in the steak, you're not doing it right. That's right. Uh, bigger injury news, though, would be Cole Calhoun had to have surgery for his right knee. He tore the meniscus in his right knee. That was... It's been a couple weeks since you were gone, so it's been a couple weeks already, but it looked like it was going to be four to six weeks of rest and rehab, Tori Lavolo said. So late April they expect him back, and so that made a hole in their outfield, which suddenly allowed Cattell Marte to shift to the outfield and as Dribble Cabrera at second, or you could put Dalton Varsho out there. It's an interesting lineup. Jose Martinez also had a meniscus issue I was seeing. He did, yeah, for the Mets. He had a tear too, so uh, he was – borderline to make the roster anyways so we'll, we'll see what they're going to do there I'm not sure he's going to make it but yeah he had a meniscus problem the big news is probably ex-top prospect Forrest Whitley who's another guy lots of injuries in his young career here what but could have been he's going to have to go in for Tommy John surgery uh, 
He's going to miss all of this season. The Houston Astros had another injury to their pitching staff and Fran Valdez, who would have been their number two right behind Zach Greinke. He broke his finger, and it was so weird because I, I watched this game. So he took, like, he tried to feel the comeback, okay? And he clearly hurt his finger, but he stayed in there, pitched two innings, and the next day they said, okay, well, he broke his bone in his pitching hand. And I thought, okay, well, I've, I've broken bones in my hand, right? People have, I've done that, and it takes a while, but... I didn't expect it to be out for the year, but there's talk that he's going to miss the entire season here. So I didn't quite understand all of that. My, my guess is like not only the uh, the break, but either, either looking at ligament or nerve damage. Yeah, it had to be uh, something. Something uh, in addition that's going to make that rehab more extensive. Uh, and now this was pitching hand, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's that's even more. I, I think my, my guess says uh, you're looking at either ligament or nerve damage that's going to take longer to repair and heal. Uh, and that's a significant blow, which led to a, a significant addition. Yep. So then they, the, the Houston Astros went from having a pitching staff that included Justin Verlander, Fran Valdez, and possibly Forrest Whitley, and all those guys are now looking at missing the entire season. So they had to do something, and they went out and signed the last big free agent pitcher, I guess, uh, Jake Odorizzi, signed with a two-year deal with a player option. So he is going to slot right into that rotation. Uh, Zach Ranke, Christian Javier, Jake Odorizzi. What I would say is Jose Arquiti, it is a – Lance McCullers actually makes the fifth one in that rotation. It is a good rotation still. There's just now no depth to speak of at all in that. So don't get hurt any of the rest of you guys. Yeah, they are now at a very thin position. Uh, they were able to make the one of the last bigger free agent acquisitions that was out there to try to make an improvement or to tread water. Uh, but there's nothing else left there, and your minor league depth is now hit too. So uh, it is a uh, precarious situation that they cannot afford any more uh, damage than what they've already taken in. The last big free agent signing was a hitter, and this one was in Milwaukee. So Lorenzo Cain, he had some calf things going on, but even before that, the Brewers agreed to a deal with the last big hitting free agent, I guess, which was Jackie Bradley. Two years, $24 million. I, The second year is a player option, so he can basically opt out after this year and be a free agent again, which is kind of the Brewers' way. I think that's essentially the same contract they signed with Moustakis and Grandall. But Jackie, Brand, Jackie Bradley's on stage in 2021. He'll be in Milwaukee. 30-year-old, he had a very good offensive season last year, which is usually not his MO. It's always the defense. And so... Presumably, it pushes, obviously, Al Garcia to the bench, although he has been, I've watched quite a few Brewers games in spring training, and he has been by far their best batter so far. So the the defense of options that they have now with Jackie Bradley and Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich is strong, right? That's an excellent outfield. Now it's just a matter of where's the playing time going to come for Garcia, or is, you know, Cain's missed a year last year, he's 35. Is he the one who sits more days? It's a good problem to have, I suppose. Depth uh, always solves itself. I've watched that with the Rays, who've always built their team on on depth, and it's amazing how much that clarifies itself as the season goes on. Uh, and you're never you're never kicking yourself for having too much depth. Uh, and even if uh, you get a little more rest for some of the older guys to keep them uh, uh, healthy during a, the return to a 162 game season. Uh, a little more uh, just rest days uh, to to help with that. Uh, you can do a more targeted approach with Garcia, who's going to crush lefties and be more uh, selective with the righties in there and to go more matchup-based. Uh, overall, what you like about the Brewers, and we'll talk about it when we get to the Central for, the, for that coverage, mm-hmm. uh, but their focus on defense is going to help their young pitching uh, as well as uh, not just outfield, but by uh, improving at second base. 
Uh, it pushes everything to a better alignment. Uh, your pitching staff improves within it, and then you don't need to put as much pressure on your offense uh, to bail you out from things. So overall, this aligns the team in a far better way. We'll find out if that over, if that works enough to do what they want to do, but it is a good uh, a good focus. The last signing, I should have I shouldn't have thrown. Jackie Bradley is the only big hitting signer of the week. There's actually one more, which is, quote, finalizing an agreement. And this is Michael Franco is finalizing an agreement with the Orioles. And I like this move a lot, actually. He pretty good batting average last year, 278, which is pretty high for him. Usually it's more in the 240 range, which is still fine. I, he's going to be the primary third baseman in Baltimore. When this happens, maybe it's more of a platoon thing. Rio Ruiz was okay there last year, but... I really like this. I was in that TGFBI draft thing. Uh, this was the I, I was in the middle of the last round. He signed, and I said, you know what? I see a middle of the lineup bat in a small park in Baltimore, and New York is a small park, and Boston is a pretty small park. So I'm banking on 25 home runs and 80 RBIs out of my last round pick there. And uh, anytime you're looking at that out of a last round pick, you are you're doing well. The opportunity is there. There's no uh, additional uh, competition or blockage that's there. He's going to have a strong shot. Uh, he's going to have to fall flat on his face hard before that uh, that changes. And yeah, in a overall division that has many hitter-friendly ballparks, that's a very good pick. We will be uh, talking about, uh, we mentioned it briefly, but in the next couple of weeks, we'll have you break down your full full team. Uh, and we'll follow along as the as the year goes on uh, as we uh, look at uh, some fantasy coverage and how that all comes together. Let's talk some COVID guys here. So the one person we know has COVID is Joey Votto. He was, I believe he was in the lineup and he was a late scratch and everybody sort of assumed it and then it came out that, yep, he has COVID and he's quarantined for 10 days. He was off to a good start. I think he was four for nine, four for eight at spring training when that happened. But he's going to be gone for a while. We hope that he's fine. No lingering effects. The rough one, again, is in Cleveland, and it's Fran Mel Reyes and Jose Ramirez, and mainly Fran Mel Reyes because he broke protocol last year, and he did it again this year. And we saw Zach Plesak break protocol last year, and Mike Clevenger break protocol last year. And Cleveland, I don't know why you can't figure out these protocols. It's they are the same ones as last year, maybe a little more stringent, I believe, but really not that different. He went out to get his hair cut, and then he ate dinner inside of a restaurant with Ramirez. Now, I've went to dinner. We, me and you have went to dinner in, inside before, but we are not under a restriction that says we can't or a protocol that says we can't. So if that's the protocol, you got to follow it, dude. You have got to follow it. And we saw that they kind of took a hard-line stance with Plesak and Clevenger last year. So I'll be interested to see what they do with Fran Reyes here. The... Rules are rules whether you like them or not, uh, and this is what's in place, and especially right now, optics, and always, optics matter. Uh, and when you're caught doing this, uh, it makes everyone look bad. It gives, uh, it adds to the PR problems of a team, and if someone does get uh, a positive result from it, it slams on everything. It's a massive distraction, an unnecessary one, uh, and uh, it just the ripple effect of problems is frustrating to uh, uh, coaches and front office officials. I'm going to only touch on one of the three pitcher injuries of the big pitcher injuries because the other two are going to come up in the Eastern Conference anyways. Here, so Sonny Gray is going to start the season, probably miss the first week of the season on the injured list as he has a mid back strain. But if you remember, he ended last season on a mid back strain. So that's not great. Uh, I like Sonny Gray. You've, uh, you, big fan of Sonny Gray. I know you are. So they didn't really make all the moves we thought they would. There was talk of them really selling off all the pieces, and Luis Castillo still there. Sonny Gray still there. But 
you don't love to hear that he's already got back pains. Again, this is start. That's Clayton Kershaw levels of back pains getting there sometime soon. And for it to be the reoccurring thing this fast, uh, again, makes you wonder. It, it nothing healed. If that's how it ended last year and is beginning here, uh, that's a major red flag. I I'd like to hope that he's okay. I would love to see him pitch well. Maybe just, maybe it's more precautionary. You hope, yeah. but uh, it's concerning. You want him to get his inning, like you want him to get that arm ready to pitch for the regular season. And now you're missing, you know, a month or a half, couple of weeks at least of more stretching out. So you don't know. Uh, the last big hitting injury that we're going to touch on here in the news and notes is Austin Nola of the Padres. Their catcher had a very nice year last year. He also broke his middle finger, which is basically what Rio Muto did. Rio Muto's back. I think I saw him DHing the other day, so he's getting closer. But Jace Tingler did not give an opening date or any type of timetable for Austin Nola. But we talked about this: catchers and broken fingers never a good, never a good thing. One big retirement of the week. I don't know if you saw this one or not. I. Did Forgot to mention this when we were talking before, Shanahan. Nick Markakis retired. Just caught that this morning. Uh, uh, Very solid career. Underrated career. Yes. Uh, Nick Markakis ends his career with 2,388 hits, uh, 1,046 RBIs over 15 seasons, three gold gloves, and an all-star team. A very uh, solid, dependable player, consistent player. Uh, Maybe didn't have the elite ceiling of some guys, uh, which is why he's not at that level, but as far as having that long of a, of a career, uh, compliments to, to him for uh, uh, the seasons that he's had and uh, wish him the best in his uh, next chapter of his life. Yeah, remember, he did that weird thing last year where he opted out, and he was the one guy who I believe opted back in when he saw the Braves were winning, and I can't blame him. The Braves were a great team, right? He wanted to try and get another championship. He hadn't got there, but didn't quite happen for him, and now, like you said, go enjoy the rest of your life, Nick Marcakis. I think you'd make an excellent coach if you're interested in that someday. Absolutely. Well, that wraps up our news and notes coverage. We're going to dive into our uh, preview uh, section here that will be taking place over the next couple of weeks as we go uh, division by division, counting for both the AL and NL. And we will uh, look at uh, uh, team observations. We're going to give our uh, take a look at the, the sports betting world uh, that are giving their projections on records, and we'll give our over-under projection based on that. Uh, best prospects uh, overall for a, a team as well as the best prospect who can help this year. And then we'll give our best team that we can build within the division, MVP candidate, comeback candidate, uh, and most impactful acquisition of the offseason. So that is how we're going to approach our division coverage. We'll start with the AL East, and we'll go uh, on the basis of uh, record from last year, starting from worst to first. So we will kick things off with Baltimore. And uh, Baltimore has a... Uh, it was an interesting 60-game uh, season for them. Better than we thought, right? I remember yeah. sitting here talking about, are they going to win 15 games? And they went 25 and 35, right? So it was a surprising it was a surprising season. They had some production from guys like Anthony Santander, who we didn't expect to be as good as he was. And uh, Pedro Severino at catcher was awesome for them. And it's great. Like, that's what you want. You want to have a year where at least it kept it enjoyable for their fans. Anthony Santander obviously was the, the breakout candidate last year. 261 batting average, 315 on base percentage, a 575 slugging. Uh, he had 132 WRC plus, but the, the slugging percentage, 11 home runs, and uh, put him at a 48 home run pace for a full season. Are you buying Santander as a uh, keeping at this level? Is he a foundational piece uh, for this team? 
I think he's a foundational piece because he's only 26. They drafted him in the Rule 5 draft a few years ago from Cleveland. I expect him to bat right in the middle of their lineup. He's probably going to bat third, maybe fourth. But, like, is he going to hit 40 home runs? No, I don't think he's going to hit 40 home runs. But 25 plus? Sure. I'll, I'll take him for 25 home runs, 80 RBIs, and – I think the average, I, I think he hit 260 last year. He did it with a 248 BABIP. I'm looking at it right now. So you get that up, maybe he gets to 270. And that's a fine outfielder, right? That's somebody you want to build around. Absolutely. Uh, I was trying to grab, this was the one team I didn't have their uh, win-loss record that was uh, projected here. So I'm just pulling that up, that one. I didn't well, I can tell you that one. last year they went 25 and 35. So my question for them was going to be, do they avoid the 100 losses this season? Because I think that – I still think that was playing above their head, right? But they're getting some players back, and you get a full year of Santander. Mountcastle will be here. We'll talk about him in a second. And Mancini's back. So I don't know – do you have the over-under over there? Because I think they're going to beat be better than 100 losses. But that was, that was the question that I had for them. Well, Pakoda, uh, okay. one of the projection systems that's, uh, that's out there, uh, they have them as uh, avoiding the 100, the century mark. 66 and 96 is their projection. Are you over or under that? That's pretty good. Uh, I would say that they're about a 70-win team. So 70 and 92, that would be, right? Correct. That's about what I would say that they are. That would be my guess. There, There is some hope with this team. Number one, Trey Mancini returning is a, a wonderful story. Again, here's our... You our, can go our, over the season and you'll get comeback player of the year. Yeah, just make it through the season uh, with it. Uh, here's the guy that you're rooting for to be that comeback player. Uh, he had 134 WRC plus in 19, uh, a career 116 uh, WRC plus player. Uh, very good offensive player, can play both first base and outfield. Uh, you add him to Santander. Uh, John Means was all right. So, uh, go ahead. So here's my observation of this entire division. Each of these teams has one reliable starting pitcher, and then it's a lot of question marks after that. And I will say that for each of these teams – from the Yankees to Baltimore to the Rays to Tampa Bay. They're maybe not maybe not Boston. I'm not sure Boston has a super reliable one, but the rest of them have one reliable starting pitcher. John Means, I agree. I think John Means is great. He's throwing – I watched John Means in spring training the other day. He was throwing like 95-plus, and I was like, oh, I am all in on John Means here. So I don't know if he'll have a winning record just because he plays on Baltimore, but he had a 4-5-3 year A last year. I think it can get lower than that. I think it can be sub-4. I'll say that. Definitely someone to be excited to watch for a Baltimore Orioles fan. And right now, you're just looking for, for pieces, right? What can be something we can build with? And so let's take a pause from the, the team just to go back to that because I kind of skipped that with division overview. You covered the – you're seeing the assessment as one one solid pitcher you can count on. Was there anything else as part of the division overview with looking at the AL East that stands out? It's the fact that we thought that this was going to be a division where – Usually you think of the big two teams, right? Boston and New York. But if anything, I think it's a it's a top three, and it doesn't include Boston, and then it's a bottom two. And of the two bottom teams, Boston and Baltimore, I do think that they are doing a pretty good job of the rebuild here. So we talk, we're going to talk about some teams later on, like Colorado, which is just blowing up and not doing it in the right way, and Pittsburgh has not done it the right way. But I do like the way that all these teams are moving forward. The guy you hope has we talk about the uh, young players trying to build their careers here's a, a flip side to uh, a, a player who hopes for just one more year in the sun we'll see if it happens but Felix Hernandez is uh, part of the Baltimore Orioles uh, with their rotation needs he'll have a shot the question is does he have anything left 
Yeah, like this is a you know, Felix Hernandez has a legitimate chance to make the Hall of Fame. He's that good of a pitcher. He's been that good of a pitcher throughout his career. Uh, they actually signed him and Matt Harvey as some of these old, famous pitchers that we've seen within the last ten years be excellent. He's going to be. I think he's probably going to open the day, the season as their number five starter for them. I don't have a whole lot of faith in Felix Hernandez anymore. Is a great career. I said I. I think it's John Means is is solid. After that, their roster resource hasn't projected for Keegan Aiken. Okay, like yeah, sure. Dean Kramer, he had some nice stretch at the end of last season. They got him, I think that was in the Manny Machado trade, if I'm not mistaken. Jorge Lopez and Felix Hernandez. I have very little faith in that those guys pitching in the American League East with some, we're going to talk some impressive lineups here, and those guys yeah. are going to struggle. Let's move to, to Boston. Oh, let me do my prospects oh, here. Go ahead. So, yeah, so yeah, if yeah. we're talking prospects, so their best prospect that Baltimore has is Edley Rutschman. They drafted him. He's a catcher. He's probably the best catching prospect in baseball. They yep. drafted him a few years ago. I think it was first overall. It was very high. I, I don't think we'll see him this year just because they have – I said they're doing the rebuild the right way. I don't think they're going to push it. He would probably be their best catcher. I think he could be successful, but I'm not sure we'll see him. Uh, the the prospect I have that's going most likely to impact this season for them is Ryan Mountcastle. So we saw Mountcastle guy last year. Yeah, we saw Mountcastle at the end of last season, and he didn't let me down. He he had five home runs. He hit three thirty three. Now it was in thirty five games, one hundred forty at bats. Uh, the average is too high. He's not going to hit three thirty. But if you told me once again, if you told me that he had twenty home runs this season and hit two sixty, I'd be all for that. And I think he's. I said that's somebody good to build around, right? Twenty three is he? I got this in front of me. He is twenty four. So good young player going to make a nice impact should bat right in the middle of their lineup this year i would think and if you look at that and we're talking building blocks if you have mount castle santander mancini uh you're starting to get something going here and again once they have enough foundational pieces or they feel they're closer this is the team that has spent in the past and can again so uh that would be the next step of their their rebuild and they're probably one to two years away from that uh, and it'll be interesting to see as they continue to to move forward. Obviously, pitching development is going to be key. So we are on Boston, right, you said? Yes. As we move forward. So Boston, my note about the Boston Red Sox is how far, like, we're talking rebuilds here. How far along is this rebuild? Because they still have, you can talk about top to bottom, they still have some incredible players here. Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers are and J.D. Martinez, I don't think he's done, right? They still have some excellent players here. But then they went out and they signed some – they made some free agent moves this offseason. They brought in Hunter Enfield from the Rays, who, should he stay healthy, the power is always there, right? They brought in Franchi Cordero, who's already fighting COVID, but should he stay healthy, there's the power is always there. And then they signed some, like, super, super utility players. They brought in Kike Hernandez, and they brought in Marwan Gonzalez. So they're doing, like – they have some top-end great players, and then they're doing the – Marlins thing, right? Where they're signing like low up, like not super low upside free agent older guys who can still help them win games. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting blend. Obviously, it's a they are top heavy, but if those top heavy players perform, this team has a higher ceiling. Uh, Chris Sale returns. That's the big thing here, right? If he's back healthy, uh, that's the key question. Uh, J.D. Martinez, uh, I think it was a fluke of last year. Here's a guy who said, as far as his uh, preparations go. He watches a lot of in-game video. Uh, that's how he studies pitchers, picks up on nuances, and he wasn't able to do that last year. And he said that definitely impacted him. Now, it wasn't trying to make excuses for things. It's just the reality of how things are. He's too good of a hitter to drop off like this. He's not last year. The question is, what is his ceiling still? Uh, but you have uh, Xander Bogarts. You have 
Uh, people forget Rafael Devers, he led the majors in total bases in 2019 at age 22. Uh, this was a guy that uh, obviously has a high ceiling. It wasn't what you wanted last year, but uh, Hunter Renfro, uh, right-handed bat uh, with the uh, – the green monster over there, to oh, yeah. his double and home run production, he will be a pull hitter with this, and rightfully so in that park. And I like Verdugo, so we didn't mention Verdugo. Verdugo yep. is the big person, that, not the big one, because they got Jeter Downs too, but the, when they traded Mookie Betts, someone had to come back that was going to step up, and Verdugo should bat leadoff for them this year. Jackie Bradley's not there, so he should move to center field, and that's a good fit too. So here's what I'd say. If you look at the Red Sox lineup, it's Verdugo, Bogarts, Devers, Martinez, Christian Vasquez is a great catcher, so that's a great top five. And then it's Hunter Enfro, who, health. Franchi Cordero, health. Bobby Dalek, we'll talk about in a little bit here. He's my prospect. I'll talk about him in a second. And Enrique Hernandez, who has never really been asked to play full-time, and we'll see if he is or not. But like you said, top-heavy is how you have to describe their lineup, right? It is excellence, and then it's question marks. And same thing with the rotation with the Chris Sala at the top, but so, then the, the question marks quickly come. So if I said every team has one solid starting pitcher, and now this would be the one team where you could say, I'm not even sure they have that. It's Chris Sale, question mark of health. I, I think Ed Rod, Eduardo Rodriguez is back, right? He fought COVID, and he had the heart thing, and I think he's very good, but health, right? Like, he's looked good in spring training, but you don't know. we don't know what he's going to do all year. We've seen people have talked about how hard it is to pitch through COVID or to get over COVID, and he says he's fine, and maybe he is, and if he is, I think that's solid. Um, Nate Evaldi. I talk about that DGFBI team. I drafted Nate Evaldi. I think Nate Evaldi is pretty good. Garrett Richards, Martin Perez, and Nick Pavetta. So it's it's Eduardo Rodriguez, good. It's Nate Evaldi and Garrett Richards, health, right? Like, there are another health ones. Health. And I don't – you don't know what you're – Martin Perez isn't a health thing, but is he effective? And once again, he's never – he was in Minnesota last year where they got to play Cleveland, Detroit, and Kansas City, who didn't have great lineups, and now it's New York and Tampa Bay and I even – can he be effective Toronto. enough is the yeah. question. They made some acquisitions in their bullpen. I like the Adam Adovino a, trade. A rare uh, Ray, or Yankees Red Sox uh, trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love the Adam Adovino trade. So I actually like the signing of they had a Hiroka Kazooie Sawauma from Japan. I, I like that. Tra- like, I like some of those signings. But I don't think it's enough that we're going to see this team compete to win this division just because it is a good division. What do you got for an over-under on them? I have 77 and 85 as the sports line projection. See, and I was thinking they were probably about a 500 team, so I, I would say they're roughly a 81 and 81. So I would, I would take the over on that just because I think Chris Sale's going to come back. Maybe it's the midseason point, but assuming that I think they're going to take their time with him, and when he comes back, I expect him to be effective. If Eduardo Rodriguez is truly back, that should be good. And Evaldi and Garrett Richards can be roughly f- mid-40-year-A guys, and this team should score a lot of runs still. Like, should they stay healthy, they could score a lot of runs. So – I think they're a 500 team. I think that's very accurate. That's where I'd place them as well. Uh, who's their best prospect in this system? This is a, a team that has been kind of devoid of the, the big prospects. And part of the reason why they've had to look at a rebuild is they haven't had a lot of the internal to build with. So their best prospect is Jeter Downs. Uh, he's the one who came over in the Mookie Betts trade from the Dodgers. He is a shortstop. He can play second base. I don't think we'll see him this year, maybe at the very end of the year. I would say if we're going to talk a prospect, there's I'm actually going to throw one extra one on here. Jaron Duran has been great in spring training. He's looked excellent in spring training. There is a legit chance that he makes this team out of spring training, but he is not the one. He, he could probably steal 30 bases should he be up there this year, but the one that's going to be the biggest impact this year is is Bobby Dahlbeck, and we saw Bobby Dahlbeck last year. He, he is a... 
He's something else. I don't know if you've seen Bobby Dahlbeck in spring training. I believe he has five home runs in 20 at-bats. He also has 12 strikeouts, 11, 12 strikeouts. The contact rate is prime Adam D- Like, Adam Dunn is Bobby Dahlbeck, right? That is who you're talking about. He might hit 40 home runs should he stay healthy this season. He might strike out. 45% of the time, and because of that, he'll be lucky. Last year, he hit 263 when he was up here. He, he's not a 263 here. He'll be lucky if he hits 220. Which means he has to reach that home run plateau in order to be, uh, in order to carry value. Yeah, so I I, I understand why. Like Bobby Dahlbeck, he should play at first base with him. I understand why they're playing him. Right, You're trying to rebuild this. He's 25 years old. You have to play him there. But, now or never. But it's a very scary still set for me like I'd love guys that walk some he doesn't walk hardly at all and when you strike out that many times it's very very razor thin margins let's take a look at the uh, Toronto Blue Jays as we uh, one of the more exciting teams last year young teams that was emerging uh, who recognized their stage of development and went out and signed uh, a lot of uh, players, they were, they were swinging for the fences this offseason, and while they came in second and a lot, they did not with George Springer. Yeah, they this found the best, you know, probably the best batter in the the entire free agent market. You can make a case for some other guys, but George Springer at least always seemed like the most likely free agent batter that was going to leave teams, and so they're going to put him. I expect him to bat leadoff. They've been moving him around in some of the spring training lineups as low as four, but he's always been a leadoff hitter, and he's been great at it. And you expect him to step right in there and hit his 30 home runs and hit 270 and set the table for all their other batters. And, and that's the question with this team is how many of these guys are going to take the step forward, right? Is Bo Bichette, you know, he's been good, but we've he's still not played a full 162 games over two seasons, right? Because And, yeah, maybe he's great. Maybe he really is the next great player in baseball, but we haven't seen it. And Vlad Guerrero is – I still think he's going to be good, but he still doesn't lift the ball enough for him to hit as many home runs as we thought. So – the question is, how many of these guys step forward? And those guys at least have the the minor league uh, numbers and potential and uh, prospect evaluations that are there. But you're waiting to see that that become realized on the field. The one that's most intriguing to me is Teoscar Hernandez's breakout last year. Is that for real? He went to a whole different level than what he has previously. Yes, he did, and I don't think it's for real. And the okay, so in the 50 games last season, he hit 16 home runs and stole six bases. I could see him hitting 25 home runs and stealing 10 bases over a full season. Do I think that he's going to project and suddenly hit 35 home runs? No, I I don't. Uh, He has a 350 BABIP. Okay, so drop the average by 50 points, and he's right back to the two years before that. He had 26 26 home runs, 22 home runs in 125 and 130 games. So your mid-20s home runs, maybe he gets to 160 games and he hits 28. Like I don't see him hitting 35. And his average those years was 239 and 230. I think that he basically did what he's always done, but because it was a 60-game sample size instead of a 160-game sample size, it didn't have time to go back down to where he usually is. And instead of hitting 230 with that type of numbers, he hit 289. And it basically looks like a hot streak. And that's what you get in a 60-game season is you have these hot streaks that people are wanting to project out, and, and I get it. It's fun to do, but it's also not realistic. 162-game season, uh, as much as some people like and don't like it, what it does is it makes it hard to sustain luck. Uh, and eventually, talent wins out. Now, you can still have a very lucky season, uh, but it is harder to do over 162 games. You have less variance 
by that point and the overall talent level comes out. This is still a very good player. Don't get us wrong in what we're stating about about him, but the question is what is his ceiling? He went to a different level last year in a 60-game season. We're just not projecting it to be that way over a 162-game season. Still a very good part of that, very good piece of that team. Marcus Simeon was added uh, to what uh, they were looking for a veteran infielder uh, to, to complement things, especially one with solid defensive abilities. And while they didn't get Lindor the way they were, were hoping for and were gunning for, they did get Marcus Simeon, who is an intriguing addition. So I think if you're talking, so Teoscar Hernandez has the hot streak of the 60 games. I think Marcus Simeon has the cold streak of the 60 games because you look at his numbers, other than the strikeout rate being much higher than it usually is, it's a low BABIP, and otherwise everything looks the exact same. And instead of him hitting, so maybe it's not the 2019 Marcus Simeon where he almost wins the MVP award, but it's the 2015 to 2018 Marcus Simeon where bank on 18 home runs, right? 10 steals and hitting 270, like and batting in the middle. caliber defense. Yeah, and he's going to play a new position for him this year. So he hasn't played second in a long time, and they're going to put him at second, and he's going to be much more marketable when he becomes a free agent again, which isn't too long down the road here because it was a short contract, and they're going to bat him. They haven't projected to bat third right now. So if you're going to bat third in the middle of what I think is going to be probably the best lineup in this division, you should have some serious counting stats too. So where are they moving a Biggio to? They have Kevin Biggio has been batting seventh in a lot of the spring training games. And what position do they have him playing? He's playing third base. They've moved him from second so to third. George Springer at center, Bobichet at short, Marcus Simeon's going to bat second, Hernandez in right, Vlad's playing first, Kevin Biggio is playing third, Lourdes Gurriel, DH is a combination of Rowdy Telez and Randall Gritchick, and catcher is Danny Jansen. The... The corner uh, infield defense is what's going to be intriguing to watch. Can Vlad and uh, Biggio do that? Uh, Biggio at second, and they try to improve their up-the-middle defense. I get it. They did that with Simeon and uh, Springer. But third base isn't an easier defensive pl- position to play. Now, does Biggio have the uh, the quick reaction skills that might make that work better? Possibly. But that's going to be the thing to monitor there is how does, that, how does the corner infield defense impact them? Uh, you have to like what they have uh, on paper offensively. Uh, the question mark for this team goes to the rotation. Again, this fits to a T. They have a solid Cy Young level ace uh, in Hyunjin Ryu. After that, it's all question marks. Yep, Hyunjin Ryu is excellent. I said it last year. He showed up and he was great, right? And I don't have any doubts that he's going to be great again, no matter if they're playing in Buffalo, Dunedin, or Toronto, which is still a question with this team, is where are they going to play the whole season? Dunedin is beautiful, by the way. Sure I enjoy, enjoyed my time down sure there. It is. But after Hyunjin Ryu, it's Robbie Ray, who I'm not going to spend time on. Your boy. Tanner Roark, Steven Matson, Ross Stripling. So they have all been around baseball. These guys are not young players. We, you've, if you've watched any baseball, you've seen all these guys play, and Robbie Ray walks too many, and Tyler Chatwood they signed, and they have him right now projected for the bullpen. He also walks too many. Ross Stripling, I had hopes for Ross Stripling. I still have some. I have more hopes for him than these other guys, but he can't stay healthy. And Tanner Roark, I've seen Tanner Roark pitch a lot of innings in the baseball, and he's not very effective. And so it, it's, it's going to be tough for this team to win games once again. It, it, they're, they're going to be a better team than these other teams just because their offense is better. But beyond Hunchin or you, I wouldn't be shocked if not one of those guys, Robbie Ray, Tanner Roark, Stephen Matz, or Ross Stripling, puts up an ERA better than four, seven, five. It is legit that multiple of those guys could put up five plus ERAs and I would not be surprised at all. This is a team that is going to rely on their offense to carry them on most days. Uh, the, 
record projection is 85 and 77. Are you at over or under with that? Yeah, I'm going to take the under on that one, but not by much. I'll say like 83 wins. Now, this is an exciting 500 team. It, it should that be. Has I would more love potential. to take the, Yep. I would love to take the over on that and say, yep, no, they're going to mash the ball over the yard and they they have them projected for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They have eight guys projected to hit over 20 home runs on this team. So could they just mash the ball over the ball all season and win games eight to five? Yep, they certainly could. That's possible. And if that happens, then I'll be wrong, and they'll probably win 90 games. But actually they have 10 because I see Randall Gritchick on the bench is projected for 22. But if, if this pitching is as bad as I think it could be, and I don't think it's going to be very good, this is a 500 team because they're going to get beat six to four and five to seven and those types of losses. Here's the one thing you can say about them, though. This is a front office that has been deter- that has been hell bent on being aggressive. Oh, sure. And yeah. by the by, the trading deadline, you will find no more aggressive of a team uh, unless the uh, uh, Padres GM just keeps everyone on on his speed dial and doesn't allow anyone to call anyone else like he did last year. Uh, but they will make upgrades. Whatever pitching is out there, they will make upgrades. So you can you can rest assured they'll probably be one of the top two teams that makes the most midseason acquisitions that's there. It's going to be dependent upon Nate Pearson being healthy. Uh, here's our, again, we'll, I'll, and I'm segueing into what yes, you're going to you talk are. about here, uh, and also the midseason acquisitions, If and then Kirby Yates. If Kirby right. Yates is healthy, you have a guy at the back end of the, of the bullpen uh this team could get to 85 or more wins based on moves that haven't happened yet, as well as a key figure in Nate Pearson. Yeah, so Nate Pearson. So Toronto, they actually have an, one of the best systems in the game. Some of these, a lot of the AL East teams have some great systems. that you could talk. We could talk about Austin Martin or Symbian Woods-Richardson. Alejandro Kirk should be up there helping this year as a backup catcher, DH maybe even, and Jordan Groshans. Those guys are all high, high-end prospects that the Blue Jays, if you want to talk about can they make moves, sure. If if someone like Luis Castillo becomes available and they wanted to go get some guy and try to help out their pitching, they could do that. It's possible. Now, Nate Pearson is is the guy that has to be talked about here because on paper, he's probably their second-best starting pitcher. And he's hurt right now. He's got a strained groin thing going on, so I don't think he's going to break camp to even start with his team. But he is certainly the one that's the most likely to help this team this season as a prospect. He still threw 100 miles an hour when he came up. I saw the power. I saw it. Now, he wasn't particularly effective last year, but here's a guy who had never walked more than two, three guys per nine innings, and suddenly he was walking six and a half, and we're talking 18 innings. So I'm not overly worried about Nate Pearson. I'm not worried about Nate Pearson at all, actually. I think he's still going to be really effective when he gets up to the big leagues. I just don't think we're probably going to see him till mid-May this year, and and maybe he comes up and he is that big spark. And they add another pitcher. And like they last year, they had a Taiwan Walker. It doesn't have to be Luis Castillo. Even a Taiwan Walker to this team would help a lot. And ultimately, what their rotation is at the end of the year versus the beginning of the year has a chance to be remarca- uh, remarkably different. And and that's what you're banking on as a Blue Jays fan that you think there's still ad- additions that will be coming, uh, both from the minors as well as from midseason acquisitions. The New York Yankees. Uh, oh, all right. Did I give you a chance to talk about best prospect uh, yeah, overall? Pierce? No, yeah. Nate Pearson's the best okay, prospect good. on this team. Okay. Then the New York Yankees, uh, their offseason, uh, first their offense was re-signing DJ LeMahieu, and he was close to going to the Blue Jays. He had a higher, higher offer from the Blue Jays, mm-hmm. but he wanted to stay in pinstripes. Uh, it keeps an offense that was the best in the AL in runs per game and OPS last year. And then they add some 
intriguing question marks to their rotation, and Corey Kluber and Jameson Talion. Am I saying his name right? Tyone. Tyone. It's okay. Uh, and then older veterans who still could be effective in the bullpen, Darren O'Day and Justin Wilson. That kind of covers the, the offseason additions. How do you break that down? Well, it's, this is another team. It's, it's all health, right? So Corey Kluber hasn't really pitched. He didn't pitch last season. He pitched what, one game, and Tyone hasn't pitched regularly, and he's had issues with his health. And then it's uh, Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge, right? They're constantly hurt for him. So This is a team that probably leads not only in the in runs per game in offense and OPS, but also in uh, IL days. Yes, it does. And so, yeah, pitching-wise, we talk the pitchers again. So Garrett Cole is unbelievable, right? He was Maybe not everything they thought they were getting, but that's you're picking a nit there because he was excellent last year, and I have no doubts that Garrett Cole is one of the best three pitchers in baseball right now. Corey Kluber, I want to I want to believe that he's back, but I don't always trust guys who are about to turn 35 who have pitched 36 innings over the last two seasons. Uh, I everybody wants to just believe that he's back, and I I hope he is. I'd love to see him pitch well again. I saw him be good, but. I don't have any faith that Corey Kluber hits 130 innings. I have very little faith in that. Jamison Tyone, yeah, okay, he's out of Pittsburgh. That's great. Good for your career, man. Jamison Tyone, Joe Musgrove. We're going to talk Pittsburgh. They got rid of some of these guys. I think they're going to have big, great years this year. But, again, we saw Jamison Tyone pitch no innings last year, 37 the year before that. So it's been three years since he pitched 190 innings. Once again, 130, maybe? Maybe he gets to 130 innings. I don't think he's getting to 150. And then – I didn't want to cut you take a no, Oh, And so then Jordan Montgomery, yeah, okay, I like Jordan Montgomery. He can pitch some innings. Domingo Herman has been amazing in spring training as he returns from his year off of whatever he was doing. He, I think it's nine innings so far without an earned run and 13 strikeouts. And Debbie Garcia has been excellent in spring training too. So I don't want to say – there's certainly a lot of talent there. Tons of talent, talent there. And potential. But I don't, I don't think I can rely on any of them. Now, I think they're better than the Blue Jays starting pitchers on the back staff just because I've seen them do it in the past, whereas I haven't seen the Blue Jays starting pitchers be that effective in the past. But there's certainly still question marks there. There's I – mean, this, and this offense is so good when healthy. Uh, these pitchers that they have uh, have a, a track record of being very good when healthy. Uh, that's the whole question mark on the Yankees. Are, it's not betting on the player, it's betting on the health overall because that's the key question that comes up with this team. Can they stay healthy to to meet their true talent level ability? And it's another. So I'm looking at roster. They are all projected. Their entire starting lineup is projected to hit over 20 home runs, and they have multiple guys projected to hit over 30 home runs, and Stanton is somehow projected to still hit 41. The question with their offense is, it is extremely right-handed. They have one left-handed bat in the lineup in Aaron Hicks, who's actually a switch hitter. But otherwise, it is all righties projected to start for him. And that can work, right? It, it can certainly work. It can not work. And like you said, it's, it's health, right? It's Giancarlo Stanton gets hurt. It's Aaron Judge gets hurt. It's Aaron Hicks usually tends to get hurt. And that's your projected two, three, and four hitter. So Luke Voigt has had plenty of injury problems in the past. He was great last year. He was awesome. But he has always had injury problems in the past. And... What what is Gary Sanchez like? That's my question for him. What is Gary that's what Sanchez I had down here? This is, is his last good? chance to prove himself. I I want to another. I want to believe right. I've seen him hit three or four home runs and hit two seventy, and I've seen him hit one eighty, and I've seen him hit two thirty, and last year he hit one forty seven, and his strikeout rate is otherworldly bad all of a sudden. Like it is thirty six percent last year. It is twenty eight percent. That is unfathomably bad for a guy that wasn't like that not that long ago. So. 
there's for a team that is this good, there are still question marks on this, both the offense and the pitching. I, I people want to just say that the Yankees are running away with the American League, and I just don't see it. They haven't made surefire additions. There was no Garrett Cole. There was no, and, and people were acting like DJ. I, I got into a couple of Twitter beefs with people with uh, the DJ LeMahieu signing. That's not an upgrade. You just kept him. So a re-signing it can be key and, and be very good, but you can't call it an upgrade. They're trying to view that as a reason to see, look at the improvements made. No, he was already there. Uh, so you just made sure you didn't create a hole in your lineup. You kept a very important piece. That's very good, but it's not an upgrade. When you look up, up and down this lineup, there are no upgrades other than you're hoping for health creating the upgrade. That's the key thing. Uh, I like Kluber. I like uh, Tyone. These are guys, if they're actually healthy, but there's different reasons to wonder, at least for Kluber at age. Now, again, you have an inside track. That you're, uh, his key rehab person who has helped him throughout this journey is on the Yankees staff. Uh, so they offered more money than anyone else because of that. Uh, so in, in his, uh, his, his throwing day, he wowed a lot of teams, showing that, that arm looks good. So it's, is his stuff there? Yes. The question is, can it be sustained over 130 innings? No one is questioning inning one. The question comes in at inning 130. And so that's the key question with Corey Kluber. Uh, Now, if we're going to talk Chris Sale, we have to talk about the fact that in the middle of the season, they could also add an unbelievable arm to their team, right? Severino's coming off of his Tommy John surgery, and he's throwing off the mound already. So I I think of of the big three injured pitchers, which – Severino, Sale, and Syndergaard. I think Severino's the first one that we see this season, and I think it's probably May. And that it, should he be even eighty percent of what we've seen him? Absolutely. That is the second best pitcher on this team, and one of the best five pitchers easily in this division. So that could be a big help, and this team could still be very, very good this year. I just don't want to sit here and say that they're flawless. They are projected at a ninety-two and seventy season. That's pretty good. That's a good team. That's 22 games above 500. Uh, we didn't mention in the injuries that Zach Britton had Arthur Trosby elbow surgery. So should Aroldis Chapman get hurt, which he has a tendency to do, uh, that's not going to help them any. So that's another problem. But 92-70, and 70, I'll take the over, but that's betting on I think Gareth Cole is going to win about 18 games for him by himself. I think that Severino is going to come back early and be effective enough, and I think they're going to – I think that they're going to hit the most, they're going to score the most runs in this division, and that includes Toronto, which is very good too. So I think where they have a little bit better pitching than Toronto, and they have a little bit better, or I mean, not better offense, a larger but, track record. Yeah, longer track record offense. And you just got to hope that Stanton and Judge can play. If, if they played 130 games, I have no doubt that, that they win 95 games. So I'll just trust them again because they're still healthy for now. I'm, I'm taking the over as well. Uh, I think there's just too much talent here uh, that even if if some don't get to the norm, they have enough to carry. So there's there's a larger uh, variance, positive variance that's there because of depth uh, that's going to help them. Uh, and also, I, I'm a big believer, and we'll talk about it with our, our next team here, but I'm a big believer in uh, the Pittsburgh pitching going to different organizations and doing well. Uh, so I don't have a Pittsburgh positive thing to say in, uh, on this one. But before we get there... Uh, prospects. Uh, what do we have for the Yankees as far as, and this is normally a veteran-laden team, uh, 
but who do they have for a top prospect and, and top prospect who can help them this year? Well, their top prospect is way down in rookie ball, and it's we're not going to see him for probably two or three years, and his name is Jason Dominguez. If you've ever... If you have not seen Jason Dominguez, Google him right now and just be in awe of this man's muscles. He looks like a bodybuilder. He is going to hit a, a lot of home runs in Yankee Stadium someday. He is very fast. It is a lot. There was real legit talk that the Yankees were going to sign him to a big de- term deal early on so they could get him up early. He is only 18 years old, but just remember the name Jason Dominguez. And. This year, I think it's Devi Garcia. I said he's been pitching really good in spring training. Now, right now, I think he's probably going to get sent down to start the season. But I think that he's, I think he's pretty good. And I said that. Not sure they they could very well pull a Dodgers thing. Is what I could see them doing. Where Corey Kluber, oh, your arm is a little sore. Take ten days off. Devi Garcia, come part start for us. Or Domingo Herman, you didn't pitch last year. Why don't you take a start off here? And Devi Garcia can step in. So I'm betting on about hundred innings out of Devi Garcia, and I think he can do. I think you can have a, about a four-year A or even a little less than that in those 100 innings. So, And this is why you have more confidence in, in the Yankees figuring out their rotation issues versus the, the Blue Jays. Yeah, they just have a lot have, more you depth have a, You have a sixth and seventh options that are there that would be qu- uh, quality starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So then let's move to the last team in the, uh, in the AL East. We look at the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, obviously the biggest uh, news on them goes back to uh, you know, being the uh, AL representative in the World so Series, close. being this close, uh, the 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 pitching pull uh, and uh, questions that are there. Randy Arozarena becoming a household name in the postseason, uh, and then now to offseason, Blake Snell and Charlie Morton uh, either being let go or traded, uh, and the the questions that come from from that. So why don't we start there? Because that's the obvious one is. You lost two of your top three starting pitchers from last year. Can you absorb that loss and still compete this year? Are you buying the Rays as competitors with losing those two key guys? Same thing, right? They have one pitcher that you can trust, and it's Tyler Glass now. And here's the thing about Tyler Glass now. I don't trust his innings at all. Like, does he hit 150 innings? Because... I have legit doubts that he doesn't get to that number. 130, yeah, okay, I can get there, but 150, that's asking a lot out of a guy like him. So when he pitches, great, right? Did you hear about his new pitch? I did not. I have not seen him pitch yet this year. Uh, he, uh, there's, He's a dark horse candidate, always has been uh, as far as a Cy Young guy, but there's more, more reason to believe in him based upon uh, offseason uh, additions as far as his arsenal. His problem has been... His mechanics mean if it's not a fastball, you can tell what's coming. That's been the issue with him. He added this pitch that was kind of a uh, it was a slider and, and cutter. Uh, I don't know if I even want to say the name. If you put those two together, you can th- get an idea of what the what lovely. it's called. Yeah, oh, uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, this pitch mimics his fastball. It's pitch tunneling. We've talked yeah. about how that's a key thing uh, for pitchers. These two pitch, uh, pitches look the same coming out of the arm slot, which is huge. Uh, and that alone can raise his ceiling uh, as far as being more able to meet that that high ceiling, I guess would be the better way to put it. Uh, that's good. Uh, I don't know if any raised pitcher will get to 150 innings uh, this season because that's going to be their philosophy. Their plan is to break this up. Uh, and they have a lot more multi-inning relievers that they're adding to their bullpen. Uh, to account for the 60 inning to 160 
or 60 game to 162 game season edition. So that that's my question I have. Right right on my top is does the 60 game season thing work better for the bullpen than the 162 games? 162 games is a lot of games to do with the bullpen thing. Now, it's worked. We've seen them win games before. I don't want to say I never want to doubt them really, but it's certainly if it was any other test. If it and was any other team, I would have even more legit concerns about this cuz Rich Hill, I, I like Rich Hill, but he's 41, 41, right? And 100 innings seems out of control. I would be shocked if he had 100 innings. I had, if it was other than Houston, I would have no faith at all in Chris Archer. None. I will give him a legit chance to get him into the four ERA range. Uh, Ryan Yarbrough, I kind of like Ryan. I like Ryan Yarbrough. I will give him some, I will give him credit. Uh, Michael Waka, yeah, okay. He's kind of younger, Chris Archer. He's kind of younger, Rich Hill, where he could be good. I'll give the Rays some credit and say they'll lower his ERA a bit, but it's certain one solid yes, I'll say for Tyler Glass. Now, after that, Yarbrough's pretty good, and then it's questions galore. And then it's Kyle McHugh, yeah, but he's got injury things, right? Hasn't looked fully healthy yet this spring. Um, Brendan McKay, like, I'd love to believe that he's going to be okay, but it was shoulder surgery, right? And That's about as questionable as thoracic uh, surgery coming from Archer. And then you got Yanni Chirinos is Tommy John, right? He's yeah, He won't be playing this year. Okay, so I'm sure I'm forgetting Brent Honeywell. Like, okay, I want to believe, but we haven't seen it. And and so, then you got – it's just a lot of a lot of question marks with the Rays. And I think that – I said, I think they'll find a way to win a lot of games. I'm not, I'm not doubting that, but if this was any other team – I would have a hard time believing they're going 500. That that's the with their starting pitching that they have. When you're rolling the dice and needing certain variables to come up, yeah. What is what is your best way to get enough numbers in your favor? A lot of throw rolls, right? Of, yeah, throw out a lot of it. A, a lot of rolls, and you hope by the by quantity, some of them turning up in your favor. What the Rays have done here is they wanted to have veteran arms to begin and have a and keep the, the the younger arms a little bit more development, a little more time, and bring them up as the season goes on. So you have a veteran rotation now with, uh, uh, as much as you can call Tyler Glass now a veteran, uh, him, Ryan Yarborough, then you have the three uh, older guys, Rich Hill, Michael Waka, and, and Chris Archer. Chris Archer, at least a, a note on why you can buy his, uh, his ability, he got the Pittsburgh uh, curse when he got there, not just health. They wanted him to sl- uh, to yeah. change the way that he threw, and it was god-awful the first half of the season until he scrapped, no, I'm not throwing that low crap anymore because it doesn't work. And then look at his numbers from first half to second half. You see a marked change. Uh, now, again, not great, but definitely better than what was. He was closer to who he was in the second half of that year than he was the first half, then the arm injury happened, yeah. right? So... But it's like he also didn't pitch last year, right? So we haven't seen him in two years. Health question mark, and especially a big health question mark with that type of injury. Now, he's looked good in spring. Has he? That's Uh, good. He has looked good in spring, and that helps overall. But again, until you see it, you just don't know. It's still a major question mark. Now, what they do have is you have Shane McClanahan. You have great. You have Luis Patino. Mm -hmm. uh, You have uh, Brent Honeywell, uh, Brendan McKay. They're looking at maybe May, June. He's out there. He's hitting right now, so at least the health is enough for there. You have about five five young starters 
uh, Josh Fleming, who came in the second half of last year and was at least solid enough for them. So you have a full young staff that anyone would love to have with those five guys that are available if if this doesn't work out or when injuries, when, when Rich Hill decides, you know what, I've, I've done my, my third of season, I'm now going back to retirement type of thing with his injuries. Uh, you have guys that you can fill in, but it's still all question marks because they're youth and they still need to show that they can do it at the major league level. And this is just to wrap up the whole division. So some of these question marks are going to be yeses, right? Whether it's the Yankees yeses, the Blue Jays might get some yeses, Toronto might get some, or Tampa Bay might get some yeses. Not all of them can be no's, but some of them are going to be no's. It's basically going to come down to me with which one of these teams of those three get the most out of their back half of their rotation. And yeah, if it's Tampa the Bay, question. then they win. If it's the Yankees, they'll win. And if it's Toronto, they will win this. And, and that's really what it comes down to to me. It's the, all the question marks, some of them will be yeses, some of them will be noes. You can highlight the the offensive strength of uh, the, the Blue Jays and uh, Yankees. You can highlight the depth of the Rays uh, and how they uh, go go about things. You can talk about Austin Meadows rebounding, Randy Rosarina for a full season. And so you have different things that are there. I think the Rays' offense is more underrated than what they have uh, could be. But overall, you have the different strengths that are there. But what it comes down to is exactly what you just said. Who's back half of the rotation, who's three through five, is actually going to consistently produce. That's going to be the key uh, for who wins this division. But we can't wrap up our coverage of uh, the Rays and this division, if we're talking prospects, without talking about the prospect who, again, by all accounts across the board, doesn't matter which uh, minor league publication you look at or those that rate prospects and talent evaluators, there is a consistent number one overall clear-cut prospect who's with the Tampa Bay Rays. Yep, Wander Franco plays shortstop or third base for them, but they sent him down to the minors yesterday, so we will not see him for a while. And it's a service time thing, and teams do it, and it's legal, so I'm not going to say that it's wrong. Well, Brandon Lau and, and uh, Willie Adamas play his his positions, so yeah. at, at least there's enough there. Yeah. Uh, but there was a talent ev- evaluator who went on record uh, saying how he could have held his own last uh, in 2019 at age 18. Oh, yeah. He at least would have been able to hold his own. The talent is there. Oh, yeah. And we saw, and you've, if you've watched him in spring training, he hit an absolute monster home run that I watched a few weeks ago, and he looks great. But he's not going to be the prospect that contributes the most this year. That is Rainier Rosarena. It's hard to believe that he qualifies as a prospect still, but he does, even though he of uh, the famous postseason. And, and I said last year that I don't – obviously, I don't think he's as good as what we saw. And that's not me wanting just to sit here and rip on Randy Rosarena, but I no don't believe be that, that he is going to hit, level. you know – 10 home runs in a month or whatever it was. So can he hit 25 home runs and steal 20 bases and hit 260-ish? Sure, I'll, I'll buy that, and that's an excellent player, right? And he could win the Rookie of the Year with a year like that, but is he going to go out and hit 45 home runs and hit steals? No, it's no. not happening. Like, that's not – that was just an unbelievable hot streak, and it was the on national TV. Heaters. Yeah, so I don't want to sit here and say that Randy Rosen is bad. He's just not as good if we remember him from last postseason. The challenge is because of how how hot he was, anything is almost going to feel like a letdown. And so putting things in perspective of what is he truly capable of over a 162-game season is key. Uh, but as we wrap up the AL East, uh, we talk about the – do you have a best team within the, the I do. Division? So at catcher, I have Christian Vasquez. At first base, I have Vlad Guerrero Jr., and that was a tough one because it was – I wanted to put Luke Voigt there, but I, I'm going to project it out and say Vlad Guerrero Jr. 
Second is DJ LeMayu. He's probably the best hitter in baseball uh, right up there anyways. It's like as solid of a bet for 300 as anybody. Third base is Rafael Devers. Shortstop, I'll project Bo Bichette over Gleyber Torres. Outfield, I'll go with Aaron Judge for some health. George Springer is clearly on there, and I'm going to bet on the rebound for Austin Meadows. DH, you got to go with Stanton and just hope that you get 140 games out of him. And pitchers, here's where it comes down to. Garrett Cole is a stud, right? Hyunjin Rio, stud. I'm going to just pretend that he was healthy and say Luis Severino. No, he's not. And if and Chris Sale, if he was healthy, would be in there too. So we'll take them out for now and say John Means. I'll put John Means in the top five. Tyler Glass now is in the top five. And then I actually have uh, – Eduardo Rodriguez on here. I want to believe it. I hope that he's fine to pitch. And then closer is, is – Aldo Chapman's the best closer in this division still. I'm uh, in agreement with with all of that. You laid out the case for a couple others. I could be there as you wrestle with the, the differences. But uh, it's a very solid uh, – again, this was a top-heavy division, and you expect that with uh, the Yankees and Red Sox. Uh, so it's uh, interesting to see what, what happens there. Uh, and by the way, for the spring training is the time of the best shape of my life uh, competition. Austin Meadows is definitely up there. That guy's ripped. As long as he doesn't pull a, an oblique within it, he's tried to improve that area of, of his uh, physique. So we'll see what, what happens there. Uh, MVP candidate, who do you got? I have Rafael Devers, and you mentioned yeah. it early, right? Like, we're two years removed from this guy leading baseball in total bases, right? Two years ago when he was twenty. Two at the time, so he is 24 now. He's going to bat in the middle of the Red Sox lineup, and I'm all in. I think he's got a 30-homer, 100-RBI season, and I think he can do it while hitting about 290, and uh, that makes him an MVP candidate in my case. I'm not sure he'll be my pick, but I am all back in on Rafael Devers being excellent after what was deemed as a down year because he started. He always starts cold. That's kind of his thing, and he got hot, and he ended up with 11 home runs and 43 RBIs and even the short season, so I am back in on Rafael Devers being excellent this year. How about comeback player of the year? It's really only two options there. You could go with uh, Austin Meadows, who had a bad year last year. But I, I have J.D. Martinez, too, here once again. You mentioned it. You brought it up. He, he talked about how we wanted to watch video. We couldn't do it last year because of COVID. It's back. I think J.D. Martinez is going to hit his usual 30 home runs in right around 280 this year, too. I'm going to add the third because uh, I think if he hits the way he did in previous seasons, Trey Mancini. Uh, if he's yeah. anywhere near the numbers of one. what he has been, I think it's a slam dunk with what he went through. Uh, but we'll wait and see how everything goes there. But hopefully his health is uh, there. The bat is back, uh, and that would be a wonderful thing to see. What about the, uh, we, as we wrap up the offseason coverage of this, who was the most impactful acquisition of the offseason? And again, the way we describe that is not necessarily the best acquisition, uh, it's but the most impactful. So. Even though he got paid as much as anybody, I, I think it's George Springer, right? I try to avoid going with the most expensive guys, but six years, $150 million is not the type of numbers that I think we both thought he was going to bring in. Uh, it's not all that unaffordable for what for what he could offer them. And on a team like Toronto, where it is a lot of young guys who need a little veteran, like George, George Springer and Marcus Simeon are excellent veteran presences. Right on the top of the lineup, they needed a leadoff hitter. He's great at it. I think that's the most impactful. The only other one I mentioned would be Jamison Tyone. Should he stay healthy? I've seen Jamison Tyone be great. He was, I think he was considered a better pitching prospect than Glasnow and Cole at one time when they were all in Pittsburgh. So he, he's seen, we've seen him be great, but it's just been a long time. Thank you for mentioning that because it allows me to get to my Pittsburgh bashing, which I was uh, uh, essentially highlighting as we went through this. There is no organization that trashes good pitching better than Pittsburgh. I mean, take a look at the, at the names who have been through here. Uh, Archer, when he stopped pitching to their organizational philosophy, pitched better. Uh, uh, Glasnow, Morton, 
uh, Cole, like all these guys have improved upon leaving it. They had an amazing rotation if they would get rid of this dumb organizational philosophy. You pitch and make your uh, philosophy based upon the talent that you have and pitching to their strengths is what the Rays have done so well and why a small market team has been able to excel. You want to see a dumb small market team that doesn't know what they're doing and why they never improve? Welcome to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Get rid of that organizational philosophy, and you might actually be able to compete. I love it. I think we did miss – I don't think I did a raise over-under, did I? Do you have a raise over-under uh, there? Surprisingly, the, the betting world has them – at 92 and 70, they are still keeping it at that level. Are you buying that as uh, there? Or are you taking the under? I'm gonna take the under on that one. I'm, I think they're about. I think they're gonna be about an 84, 85 win team, which isn't. It's not bad. I don't want to just sit here and crap on the Rays, but I just their question marks are not as easily answered with a yes as the Yankees question marks. Is what you I'll don't say have right the now. money to to cover yep. up potential blemishes, and, so that yep. you have a, mar- a smaller margin of error, which is the challenge here. Yep. I'm. I believe this is still a 90-win team. I would say 92 is a is about their ceiling. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is about as spot on as it gets. Uh, and, and so I'm I'm intrigued. I still think they compete for the division. I still think this is a playoff team because uh, they find a, no team is more prepared to deal with the weirdness that's going to come in this 162-game season than the Rays. Uh, they're used to being creative and outside the box with this. They've loaded up on depth. Uh They'll find a way to piecemeal this together better or more effectively than almost any other team. The question is the the ceiling that's there with with what they've lost, uh, and so that's going to be the, the major question there. But yeah, I buy them as a ninety win team. Uh, ninety, it's, it's going to be close. Um, so the, let's take a look at the National League East, and we are going to first division breakdown. What's the how do you summarize the uh, the work that was done here in the NL East? We, we probably have two of the more entertaining divisions that we're covering as far as off-season uh, conversations and, and uh, acquisitions. Uh, my statement that I have for the NL East is it's the most competitive division of baseball, right? It's every team, top to bottom, has a legitimate chance to make the playoffs out of this division. And we saw two, three of them make it last year. Two, I guess. Two of them made it last year. And the other teams that didn't, they, they improved or they at least – stayed the same and I feel confident that this is going to be a really good division to watch there are some seriously good lineups in this division and the ones that aren't as strong like a lot of acquisitions in this division is what I'll say where they wanted to get better I would agree and again I think you and I talked about this before that this is uh, very much in agreement the most competitive division in, in baseball and going back through these teams and looking at them only solidifies that uh when we start with uh, teams here, when we look at the Washington Nationals, uh, this was the one that uh, injuries derailed what you were ho- hoping for in our, our season projections last year. Uh, they uh, Strasburg also is dealing with some uh, lingering stuff there. Yeah, we'll he's hurt already that. again. Yeah, he's he already got injured yet again. So this time it was his stra- strained left calf. So who knows what he's doing already but he he said that he thinks he'll be okay but he's gonna miss a while again so I I want to see Steven Strasburg be good but I'm I just thought that 60 games could do it and, and there's really like Max Scherzer was still very good but mm-hmm. it was a little like he's 36 Corbin had injuries too yeah and it's a little bit like maybe it's starting to slip a little bit I don't think it's gonna fall off the table or anything but it his stuff just wasn't quite as good last year his ERA was 374 and the Back, the peripheral numbers back that up. Like it wasn't the good, sub three great. or eight. Yeah, and it's still good. I don't want to say Max Scherzer was bad. Patrick Corbin, 
I've got legit concerns about Patrick Corbin now. So his ERA really jumped last year, and it was basically because he just stopped throwing the ball as hard, and he, he's always relied on two pitches, right? A fastball and a slider. And when he was throwing, nine, throwing 94, the fastball plays up. When he's throwing 91, it doesn't th- look the same, and he's doing that again in spring training. I was just watching that, and his velocity is, once again, pretty far down. And that's concerning. I have legit concerns about Patrick Corbin not being as good. And that's what this team needed to rely on. That was what it was always going to be is they have a big three starting pitchers that I thought in 60 games could win 35 games by themselves. And it didn't happen. And John Lester and Joe Ross at the back end are, those are some massive question marks there. Like John Lester has not been very good the last years and he's really old. And Joe Ross has always looked better on paper than he has in the game. So the rotation is good. Like I said, I don't want to say it's bad when you have the top three that they do, but it's, it's not as rock solid as it seemed last year at this time. More more legitimate question marks at a spot that they need to be a strength. And uh, they have also offensively taken the anti-Milwaukee Brewers approach where they've thrown defense out the window and just added bats. Uh, Kyle Schwerber, Josh Bell, uh, these are guys who in 2019, you look at their full season numbers, very, very good. Uh 2020 had some question marks that were within it, but the one thing that's never been good or stated about these players is their defense. No, no, no. That is a... And neither one of them can play DH. No, they cannot. So Josh Bell's going to play first for him, and Kyle Schwarber's going to play left, and I think the bats are going to be great. Like, I don't have concerns about either one of their bats, even if they were both not as strong as they usually are last year. I think Josh Bell can hit 25, 28 home runs and get a two... 50, 260, maybe even a 280 average. He's not a bad average hitter. Now, Kyle Schwarber is probably not going to hit 250. He'll probably hit 230, but if he hit 35 home runs, it certainly won't shock me. On but base percentage is still good. Yeah, and he always draws a lot of walks, but he's going to play a horrendous left field. Uh, I've said before, this team, Juan Soto is amazing, right? Trey Turner is amazing. It comes down to the other two young guys that they've always banked on and they've never got anything out of. Victor Robles has looked great in spring training. He's finally going to bat Clean up or lead off, I think. They're finally going to let him bat lead off, which I'm stoked about. And Carter Keyboom is that's the question, right? Can, can do they get what they expected out of Carter Keyboom? And if so, suddenly it's a pretty I remember looking at this lineup last year and thinking it was okay, not great, but their pitching was enough. If they got something out of Carter Keyboom and Victor Robles, suddenly it's a pretty good lineup and it makes them more competitive. They signed Brad Hand. We didn't talk about that, so they got a great closer, right? Brad Hand is there. It it's an interesting team. I I think they compete for the playoffs. I said that. I think they can compete for the playoffs. I don't know if I would say that they – I'm not going to predict them to make it, though. I'll say that. This is a – it's interesting with, with the, the decisions that they've made. I'm buying the offense. They needed to give some protection to Juan Soto. I, uh, Carter Keeboom, it's interesting because him and uh, – we're talking about guys that are on their, their last chance, right? We, Gary Sanchez, we mentioned it within this. Now you have uh, Carter Keeboom's in the exact same way. He has the clear shot at starting. They need him. Uh, can he uh, produce? Victor Robles, everyone said he was uh, the prototype leadoff hitter. Now can he actually be that? Uh, so there's interesting questions there. They are projected at 81 and 81. Yeah, that's pretty That's pretty good right there. I'll say the under just because it's a really good division that we're going to talk about here. So they're going to have some tough games. But like, if Juan Soto went out and you know, he could win the MVP award, no problem. He'd easily do that. And if Victor Robles is great, could they win 85 games? Yeah, yeah, sir. Uh, I just said, I, I have concerns about Patrick Corbin, and I don't want to trust Steven Strasburg. I think you are once bitten, twice shy. That's probably uh, true. And I'm going to take the over on this. 
because uh, I I, th- I I like still the the stars that they have, the potential they have. I like the supporting uh, additions that they've made. Uh, I believe this is a winning team. Now it's still going to be hard in this division and overall to make the playoffs, but I do believe this is a winning team. I'm I'm looking at them right now as an 85 to 87 win team. That's pretty. That's aggressive there. That's a good I'm team. I'm going for oh, it. With you're Luke going Juan for it. Soto. I, I, and, I think uh, you're right. I think I'm once bitten, twice shy there. I'll say this about the Nationals: they probably have the worst minor league system in baseball. Uh, it's Luis Garcia is their best prospect, and under players the most likely help the season, it's none. Like Garcia could come up, I suppose, if they really needed him. If Carter Keeboom's terrible, he could come up and help. But it, it is a real rough. It is a real rough farm system down there. So a, a team that is most like most likely for a teardown if it doesn't work. You're yep. staring at it. Yes, that's a good call. Very good call. Because if it is not working well, beyond Juan Soto and Trey Turner, I'm not. Well, depending on how Victor Robles plays, I'm not sure there's anybody else who is untouchable. You're not trading Juan Soto because you literally could have one of the best players in the history of this game. Trey Turner is excellent, but otherwise, I, there should not be an untouchable player. Should this not start off well. Now we can uh, uh, step right up and meet the Mets, uh, which is what a lot of people did uh, this offseason. Uh, them and the the Blue Jays are two of the biggest teams. You can talk Padres when we get there in the West, but as far as the teams uh, trying the most to make improvements, uh, obviously Francisco Lindor is the crown jewel of their offseason and uh, picking him up from the, uh, the Cleveland Indians in that trade. I think Carlos Carrasco is going to have as big of an impact and we'll get there as far as the pitcher uh, done there. Uh, they went with uh, James McCann uh, at the catcher position, and then it's uh, Taiwan Walker and Trevor May. Yeah, they added as many new players as any team in the game, right? And the question, I guess, is how do they jive together? Because it's new and New York media, right? We've talked about it. Like, you got to come off. Francisco Lindor starts out 0 for 21, which is possible, right? Like, okay, can you get out of it? Because there's a big difference between playing in New York and Cleveland now. Francisco Lindor is an amazing player. He's an incredible player. I think he'll do just fine there. Their thing is, okay, so the pitching, you got Jacob DeGrom, right? Great. You got Stroman, took the last year off. I don't think, I think he'll be fine. Uh, Taiwan Walker, I like Taiwan Walker. I think he's a good signing too. Carrasco's already got some elbow stuff going on. That's the problem. That's not good. I don't like to hear elbow stuff already out of you, Carlos Carrasco. I want him to be healthy. After Walker, like David Peterson pitched okay, and they decided they got Joey Lucchesi. So it's not like there's not options there. Sure, they have options, and you just got to hold out till Noah Syndergaard gets back, right? And then it's another one. So if they ever get this all to click, and it, I hope they do, because an idea of Jacob DeGrom, Marcus Stroman, Noah Syndergaard, Carlos Carrasco, Taiwan Walker, that is unbelievable. That's a good rotation right there. right there. Now, you just you need it all to click, and there's, there's definitely some questions still there. The hitting-wise... It's better than last year. Remember, we always talked about how it always seemed like it was, they just kind of said, we have a lot of good players, but it doesn't really fit together. Well, Francisco Lindor helps that, right, by himself, and James McCann helps that. I think Jeff McNeil is playing in a much better position for him, and that makes more sense. So, actually, like Jonathan VR, they signed Jonathan VR and Kevin PR as, like, backups who are very good backups. So, I think they have as, as deep of a team as there is in baseball. I'll say that. I think they have a lot of depth. I think they have a lot of good options. Should this not work right away? It's just a matter of fitting it all together. And I wouldn't be surprised if this team doesn't start off slow. Like we've seen teams like this start slow and maybe so have many a, moving parts and pieces yes. to get it all the cohesion needed to, yes. to get going. Perfect way of saying it. Like start slow and people, and then that's when the New York stuff starts yes. coming up though. Like, is this going to work? They're, you know, five games below 500 through the month of April. And then, then, then you got to figure it out. So, 
and I think they will. I, I want to say that this team is going to be really good, but I just would not be shocked if this team starts much slower than what people expect them for. Are they good enough to meet the Vegas projections, 87 and 75? <sighs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say they're about a 90-win team. I, I think they figure it out, and... I'm betting on Carlos Carrasco's arm being healthy and getting Noah Syndergaard in That's there. That's the bet right there. And and I'm I'm willing to do that. I think it's going to happen. I think that this team gets them all healthy and and they have as deep of a team in baseball. And so I'll say that this is about a 90 win team. I think this offense is better than they get credit for. I think part of the problem is is the it's looked good on paper and then it hasn't always clicked. I think it it clicks and if it clicks, it solves a lot of woes with the the pitching staff provides more uh, leeway. Uh, as that as that part gets going, I, I'll take the over on that one as well. Uh, prospects again. This is a team that uh, had them and has traded some away. What do you think of their uh, system overall? Who's their top guy and who's the top guy who can help them this year? Well, they're excellent. Their their top prospect is is ways away, and that's Ronnie Mauricio. He's a shortstop prospect. He's a shortstop. We're going to talk a lot a lot about shortstops over the prospects here. There are some amazing shortstop prospects. Mauricio is probably a top fifteen prospect in all of baseball. The one that we're likely to see help from this year, they got in the from Kansas City in the offseason is Khalil Lee. They got him in that weird three-way trade where they got Khalil Lee, and I don't even remember what they gave up, but it wasn't a whole lot. Uh, I think he can be a backup outfielder, and he's got a lot of speed. Like You go look at his stats in the minors, and you see him stealing 53 bases in 2019. So come in, pinch runner, that type of thing. They're not going to ask a lot of any of their prospects. They have such a deep team, right? So... Back Essentially, up, if bench. PR and, and VR doesn't, uh, yeah. uh, if you don't see them improve or if there's injury issues, he's the one that would step up for them. Mm-hmm. Bench, bench, bat, uh, speed, that type of thing. This is a very good team, so they're not going to need a whole lot of help from the minors, I don't think. We'll take a look at uh, David Dombrowski's return to the major leagues with uh, taking over operations of the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, which is what made you think that the it switched from rebuild to retool. Uh, was the the verbiage used here. David Dombrowski does not rebuild. Uh, He's a big game hunter, uh, and he was able to convince ownership to keep their big uh, free agent, uh, JT Romuto, re-signs with the the Phillies, which was a huge part to keep their contention window alive. Uh, uh, Didi Gregorius has added, uh, brought him back uh, for the infield uh, help, a bigger uh, pop in, in that bat for a middle infield. And then it's continuing to try to remake uh, their biggest train wreck that of any team uh, there with their bullpen. Archie Bradley is now going to be their closer. You have Jose Alvarado, Tony Watson, Brandon Kinsler. Uh, there's some back end of the uh, rotation guys we'll talk about too. But just to break this down, their bullpen was the second worst in MLB history. They had an ERA of 7.06. In 186 innings pitched, they gave up 246 hits, 87 walks, 42 home runs. That's a 315 batting average against and a 946 OPS. You put those numbers into one guy, there's an MVP <laughs> for good. a different team. That's how bad they were. Are you and there's nothing flashy about their their bullpen additions. They didn't make a major uh financial push for a guy they didn't go out and get a brad hand so are you buying the additions they made obviously it's 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 hard to uh, not beat a dumpster fire but how much better are they oh they're better i i think that they're better uh i like archie bradley i think he's 
I think Archie Bradley, Jose Alvarado, Kinsler, and Tony Watson, they all have experience. They all have experience closing games. So they have a lot of they, – they basically took the depth approach, right? They said, look, we're going to add four guys who have back into the rotation uh, experience at it and see – can we get better? And I think they will. I, I don't think they're going to be like some unbelievable raise prime Yankees bullpen thing, but I think that they're going to be good enough to get their starters to the end of the game. And you know, you said seven ERA last year, like half that, right? Like three and a half. And that's good enough, right? That's good. It's not great, but I'll say that they're going to be something take like four that. and a half. Yeah, sure. If you're even at that level, that's still going to be good enough. Uh, and if they get anything better than that, you're going to talk about changing their win projection uh, uh, as well. Uh, top heavy uh, is the the theme here uh, that you'd expect. They're the top of the rotation, very good. The top the top two in this rotation are as good as any in baseball. I, I love Aaron Ola. I think he's amazing. Zach Wheeler is very good, too. He was everything they could have hoped for last year. Uh, when a lot of people thought he was overpaid and we talked about, I thought that he was great and he was, was Eflin's pretty good. Are you buying him as a breakout candidate? He's a name I've been hearing this off season really? uh, in spring training. Zach Wheeler? Uh, uh, Eflin. Oh, Zach Eflin. Yeah. Yeah. I like Zach Eflin. I think Eflin is, I think he's probably more like a four and that he's got to play up in this rotation just because they don't have a whole lot of depth in it. Uh, if you told me Zach Eflin went out and had a four ERA and struck out 140 guys in 140 innings, I'd be fine with that. If, if that's what we're talking about a breakout now, if you think he's, you know, three, if you think he's going to become Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, I'm not ready to buy that yet. But I think he's good. Uh, but after Eflin is where it, then there's a bunch of question marks, right? You got Vince Velasquez, who I've known once again. I've seen Vince Velasquez pitch. I don't think there's suddenly some massive break jump happening, even though he's still only 28. And then it's Matt Moore coming back from Japan and. That's always hit or miss. We've seen it be really good. We've seen it be bad. And Chase Anderson, and I've seen Chase Anderson. He was a brewer, and I've seen him give up a lot of home runs, and he does that a lot. So Spencer Howard is their big prospect. That's what they're waiting on. Yeah, and he's there. They've already sent him back to the minors, and I think he's, he's got some. like six starts above double A. Yeah, he's had some arm injury, too, thing going on, too, right now. So if Spencer Howard is ready to pitch and – that that's what makes this team better right there. Like, if you get Spencer Howard, then suddenly Zach Eflin stretches out and now you have four starters that you can rely on. And that's the big question here. I'm not ready to say that Spencer Howard's going to even get 80 innings out of this team just because I don't think that they're going to do that with him. At best, he's a second half help yeah. at best. And so it, it's a good team too. I don't want to say it's a bad team. It's a very good team. Bryce Harper, you put Bryce Harper in any lineup, right? He's amazing. And you mentioned Rio Muto. Alec Bohm came up. He was great. They basically just brought back the whole offense from last year. Center field, Odubel Herrera's had been really good in spring training. Now he has some questionable life choices, which is why he wasn't on this team last year. So we'll see. I think their lineup is pretty good. I don't think it's as good as the Mets, for example. I think the Mets have a better lineup, and the Mets probably have better pitching. But the top two are really good. So it's projecting. It It's a good team. It's not a great team, I'd say. Vegas is not high, uh, 75 and 87. I'll take the over on that. I'll take the over. I think they're a 500 team. I would agree with that. I think that you're looking at a 500 team here. I think they have too if much. Things, if things break right, you could even have a higher projection, but I think right now, a 500, I would agree with I that. Think gonna, I think they're going to hit a lot of home runs. I think they're going to score a lot of runs. And I said, uh, I love Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler. I think they're amazing. And I think Zach Eflin's good enough to be a 500 pitcher. And right there, you just need a little bit out of the back end to get to 500. I already mentioned Spencer Howard. He's the one most likely to help this season, even though if it's to the, towards the end. Their best prospect is either probably Mick Abel, who's another really low, 
low-level pitcher who they drafted. You could make the case for Mickey Moniak, who's been former top pick overall in the draft, and he's been very good in spring training. So we might see him this year. I thought about putting him there, but he hasn't been quite what we thought when they drafted him first overall. The power hasn't really developed the way they thought it would. So we'll see. Now we turn to the probably the most pleasant surprise last year of the Miami Marlins. Once they figured out Carter could not get sick. Yeah, once you uh, once the things solidified down there, uh, again, this is a team that we've always uh, we, number one were their young pitching is what stands out the most with them, and we've praised them for their under the radar like bats that they've added. We we talk mm-hmm. about uh, uh, Corey Dickerson, we talk about uh, uh, Sterling Marte, uh, another underrated addition that was there, Jesus Aguilar. Uh, they did that again this uh, this offseason with Adam Duvall. He was one of the guys I re- very much liked as a the power potential, a bit more of a platoon player, but an impactful platoon player. And they've slowly been adding these guys. You have some young guys, and uh, uh, you have uh, Chisholm, uh, Chisholm, who who came uh, on strong last year. Miguel Rojas, that's wanting to see is he a breakout candidate for this uh, for this team. Uh, Brian Anderson has been solid for them. That. This is a far, uh, a better, at least a chance for an average offense. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. It's an average offense. I wouldn't say it, it's not going to get the hype of the Mets or even the Phillies and probably not the Nationals because they didn't add a Josh Bell and a Kyle Schwarber. But Starling Marte is really good. Like you said, Corey Dickerson's solid. Jesus Aguilar bounced back last year. Other than one year where he wasn't good, we basically know what you're getting out of Jesus Aguilar. Adam Duvall I like. Brian Anderson's solid. Uh, whoever they put at shortstop, whether it's Rojas or Jazz Chisholm or whoever else they decide to put there, John Birdie, he's fine. Like, Isan Diaz at second, solid. Like, Jorge Alfaro. Like, it, it's a good lineup. It's a good lineup. But if they're going to win, it's it's the pitching, right? That That's how this team wins their games. And it's five how starting. How do you monitor the, the inning increase yeah. that's needed? <laughs> it's five starting pitchers where the oldest one is not yet 26 years old. And they're great. We've seen them. Sandy Alcantara, great. Pablo Lopez, great. L.A.'s Hernandez, great last year. And Sixto Sanchez is unbelievable, right? So they have four just rock-solid pitchers who are very young. And if they take a step forward, that's how this team wins, makes the postseason again. But like you said, now we're going to get the big innings jump, right? So do any of them get – I see that one of them is projected for 174 in Sandy Alcantara. I'll take the under on that. I don't think well, – this is another team where if any of those guys get to 150 innings, 160 innings, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if they got to 160 innings coming off of last season. And – Maybe, but I don't like their depth, uh, and that's what makes it that's what makes it a challenge for this to survive the innings increase. If they're not getting the innings, who are you giving the innings to? Yeah. And and then they have a completely rebuilt bullpen. So theirs wasn't bad last year. Like where Philly had to rebuild, they have one, two, six projected new pitchers in their bullpen. And Anthony Bass should be their closer, and I think that's fine. Dylan Floral, they got in a trade from the Dodgers. John Curtis comes over from Tampa Bay. Adam Simber, Ross Detweiler, and Paul Campbell are all projected as six new pitchers in that bullpen. And that's a that's a big ask because if you're going to rely on your pitching, we saw with Philly last year, they right? They don't know what they have because you, they haven't had them. You need to have a good bullpen if you're relying on your pitching because it, it can go wrong in a hurry. And it, it's a good team. It's a fun team. I think it was a fun story last year. I think that over 60 game innings, it's another team where over 60 games, it probably worked out better because you can just say, hey, you four, Elias Hernandez, Pablo Lopez, Sixto Sanchez, Sandy Alcantara, go out there and, and throw, right? Give us what you got, and we only need you for 60 games. Well, now it's 162 games, and it's going to ask a lot of those young guys. The numbers under the hood are most 
overall most troubling. This is considered the, the, the most lucky team in baseball last year. Uh, and the numbers to support that is they were 21st in WOBA. Uh, their pitching staff ranked 26th in FIP. Uh, that's despite having their nice young pitchers. They had a run differential of negative 41. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of bad numbers that are that are there under the hood, and that's why I looked at a bunch of projection systems, and all are saying the same thing. Fangraphs has them at 72 wins. Pakoda has them at 70. Vegas at 75. Yeah. See, I, and I'd love to say that this team's going to win more than that, and and sit here and talk them up and. I'm not going to do that. I just, it's tough for them. If they were in a different division, like the NL central, they could probably be a 500 team in Wikipedia. Cause that's, that's not a very good division. We're going to talk about them next week. They're not a very good division, but the nationals are better than this team. The Phillies are better than this team. The Mets are better than this team. And the Braves are probably still better than this team. I think it was a fun story last year. I think that in the long stretch here, you're going to, I don't want to sit here you and like say that their they're potential. Yeah, yes. It's are still a potential team, but last year it was, a lot of things, like you said, a lucky team, right? It broke their way and they made the playoffs, and that's great. Congratulations! You got a year to you got some more experience for these young guys, right? If this was a normal year where the, everyone was already up on their normal innings pitched, I'd be buying their, their young pitching for taking the next step. The problem is the innings barrier, uh, and if if you knew for sure they could take the inning step with what was here, yeah, I'd go. I'd take the over uh, on this. I'll take uh, the under on any of those. I, I'll take like seventy two. Is what I'll say. They can. Yeah, so if we're, if we're keeping up with Vegas at seventy-five, I, I will go the under yeah. as well. Would not be surprised to them beating projections. It means things broke right again with their young pitching, but that'd be a talent level thing rather than luck. And uh, I, I think there's a chance for it, but just not betting on it. Uh, what about their minor league? Best prospect I have, Edward Cabrera. He's the next pitcher that they're going to get. Uh, he's hurt right now, so we probably won't see him until the end of the year, but he is the next stud pitcher, uh, very much in the same mold as these other guys. He is like 100 miles an hour fastball that he can bring out there. The one that's most likely to help this season is Sixto Sanchez is still a rookie. You're going to see Sixto Sanchez in the rotation. Now, 120 innings is probably about the max number there, but in 120 innings, he can be excellent. And if you haven't ever seen him, we talked about him a lot on this podcast last year. You should watch him. There is very, very few pitchers that can do some of the things he can do with that big fastball and that huge curveball that he has. Let's talk about the, the team at the top, Atlanta Braves. There's a uh, very simple uh, conversation to have here. Number one, the re-signing of Azuna was key. Here's a guy who batted 338, 4, 431 on base percentage, 636 slugging percentage. He led the NL in home runs and RBI. He was a huge need to re-sign. They did that. Uh, we Remember the, the first month of last year, you had the number one pitcher that was there, and then you had nothing else. Uh, and how much that has changed. Ian Anderson emerged. We're waiting for Mike Soroka uh, to return from the Achilles. But they, yeah, they say Charlie, he's close, too. Yeah, they say he is close. And then they added Charlie Morton and Drew Smiley. Yeah, this one was... So you're you're taking what's one of the best two offenses in the National League, and I think almost undisputed there, and you're just bringing it back, and the only thing different is you're adding Christian Pache instead of Ender Enciarte, and that's probably an upgrade. Uh, Pache is an un- otherworldly defensive player already, and offensively, I think he's probably Ender Enciarte. I wouldn't be surprised if he had 15 homers and stole 10 bases from the eighth spot in their lineup. That's how good it is. Austin Riley, what is he? That's that's the other part. Austin Riley is a power hitter who's going to hit 245. I'll say Austin Riley gets... Austin Riley is 25 to 30 home runs, but he's going to hit 245 doing it. Which, can, that's good on this offense. I say, on this team, that puts him batting seventh, and that makes him really good. Now, on a lot of teams, they'll probably ask too much out of Austin Riley, but on this team, he, he can bat seventh in this lineup and just make it unbelievable. Now, are you, are you buying the veteran additions to the rotation? 
that's the question, right? So Charlie Morton, uh, I'm ready to run it back another year on Charlie Morton. I think he's got a mid threes, upper four, low fours ERA. And like I said, on this offense, you're going to win a lot of games with you pitched to a four ERA. Max Fried is good. Ian Anderson, I had doubts. I really did have doubts about Ian Anderson. I didn't think he was as good as he was. I'm willing to say I was wrong on that. He showed more than I thought, and so I think he's good. I love Drew Smiley. I thought that was extremely underrated signing, and once again, you put it in this offense, and Drew Smiley's going to win a lot of games, and then it just comes fifth starter, whether it's Mike Soroka, Kyle Wright, Tuki Toussaint. They had a there's not that far removed from this team having a lot of pitching prospects, and some of them didn't work, but uh, Kyle Wright's pretty good, I think. I think Kyle Wright's a maybe mid fours to low five, not probably not five upper fours ERA guy. And like I said, it's all about the offense here, right? You push to a four or five ERA here. You're going to win games because they have their reigning MVP. They have Marcel Azuna. They have Ronald Acuna Jr. Who could very easily win an MVP award. It, it's, it's extremely deep. If the worst case scenario is needing to figure out a better fifth starter, you're doing well. Yeah. Uh, what about bullpen? Uh, there's some differences that are taking place there. So Melanchthon, Mark Melanchthon left. Uh, he went to San Diego uh, Will Smith, I grabbed that Will Smith contract last season. I feel like I was validated in that because you don't play that type of money for a mid-relief guy. I think he's going to close this year. That makes it more palatable, at least, for what they're going to pay him. But there's other options. They have Chris Martin and they have A.J. Minter. It's not a great bullpen. I would say it's probably a lower half bullpen, but Good enough. does it need to be? Yeah, does it need to be? They've clearly said we're going to prioritize our offense because that's where we're great right now, and we need some more pitching, so they added pitching depth. And if the bullpen is your weakness – it, you're going to have one, right? So Bullpen and fifth starter, those are things that you can traditionally pick up at the as a midseason acquisition, uh, and they obviously have the farm system that can uh, can handle that. Why don't you tell us about the uh, best prospect overall and uh, uh, one that can help this year? Oh, there's two. I got two, and they're both best prospect. I'm going to go back to Ian Anderson. He's the best prospect. I was wrong about him last year. And then there's two of them that are going to help this year. I said Ian Anderson is going to start from day one. He's still considered a prospect, and – Christian Pache is going to be the everyday center fielder for a team that's likely to win. I, they're, I'm going to say they're likely to win the AL or NL East here. So two good players. The Vegas projection is 92 and 70. I'm going to take the over. I think this is a 95 win team I at agree. least. So I I'm going to take the over on that one. I think they're going to score a boatload of runs and they're going to have good enough pitching that they're going to win a lot of games like eight runs plus. So I, I think this might be the best offense that we've talked about, and that includes the Yankees and the Blue Jays. Let's make our build our best team within the division. Who do you got? Uh, this one here, this this division. Whew. So catcher, you got JT Muto. He's the best catcher in baseball. Freddie Freeman is the defending MVP. He gets first base. Second base, I will go with Ozzie Albies, the young stud for the, for the Atlanta Braves. We didn't even talk about that's how good they are. Third base is the hard position. I went with Alec Bohm, the young kid from Philly. I think he's pretty good. Uh, shortstop is Francisco Lindor. Listen to this outfield. Bryce Harper, Ronald Acuna Jr., and Juan Soto. It's not oh, bad. No. It's not bad. Listen to this rotation. So Jacob deGrom is probably the best pitcher in baseball. Aaron Nola, I think he's a top five pitcher in baseball. I still put Max Scherzer there. I said there might be signs of slippage. He's still a top five pitcher in this division for sure. I'll go with Carlos Carrasco. I trust the arm is going to get better. I will go with Carlos Carrasco because I've seen it. I would love to put Sixto Sanchez in this thing, but I will trust Carlos Carrasco and Zach Wheeler. I love Zach Wheeler. I put him five. It's still Edwin Diaz is still the best closer in this division. There's been some hiccups. There's been some greatness. You never know. I, I think it's more often great than not. So I'll put Edwin Diaz as the best reliever. MVP candidate? 
There is a lot. So other than Miami, each team has a clear choice, right? You have Bryce Harper in Philly. You have Ronald Acuna slash Freddie Freeman in Atlanta. Who won last year. Or, or Marcel Azuna. You could make the case Marcel Azuna, right? So, yeah, they, they have tons of options there. Uh, Lindor in the Mets. And why did I? That's, I got them all. So there's the other four. And so I'm going to go with Bryce Harper. I think that he is the one. He is ready to break out this year. We've seen him be amazing before. I think he's going to hit 35 home runs and steal 15 bases this season. New York media can either hurt you or help you. Uh, and if the if the Mets do what they're projected, uh, it can help. And I think Francisco Lindor is the key piece in all of this. They've been dying for a shortstop in that market uh, that can be there. He's the guy that I'm I'm making. It was like last year. Uh, Mookie Betts uh, went to a different team, was the MVP guy. I'm saying that with Lindor uh, for me. Who do you have for comeback player? Josh Bell. I'm ready to yeah. I'm back on Josh Bell. I said it, his offense isn't good there. He's out of Pittsburgh. There's, the theme of this is you get out of Pittsburgh and you get more likely to be better than not. So I said, I think he's a 270 hitter. I think he's going to hit 30 home runs. I think he's going to bat in the middle of that lineup. And with Juan Soto in front of you and Trey Turner in front of you, uh, you are going to have a ton of RBI opportunities because those guys are really good. The right offensive fit for him. Absolutely. Uh, we'll wrap up with the last question. Most impactful acquisition of the offseason. There was a lot in this division. Yeah, I'm going to go with the low end, actually. I'm going to go with a little lower end. And I think you mentioned Adam Duvall. I got Adam Duvall on here. Now, it's not Francisco Lindor. It's not Carlos Carrasco. Those guys are clearly better signings. But for what the Marlins paid for him, for what the Marlins want. You surprised if he has a 30 home run season? Nope, not at all. Exactly. I would not be shocked at all if he had a 30 home run season. And if he's playing really good, would I be shocked if they moved him for something else? Because that's a team that's doing the rebuild the right way, too. Nope. And that's what you want out of him. So I'll take Adam Duvall. So this wraps up our uh East coverage for AL and NL. We'll look forward to grabbing the Central in the next time as we continue to uh, prepare you for the 2021 season. We're going to sing a song.